Hello there and welcome to the Tunes from Dublin podcast, an Irish traditional music interview series presented by myself, Charles Mono, and featuring guests from County Clare and beyond who come and visit us here in Dublin. On each episode of the show, we are guided by tunes picked and played by our guests, and we talk about various topics related to traditional music, such as sources of inspiration, repertoire, style, memories, and much, much more. If you'd like to support this podcast and the Tunes from Doolin project in general, you can head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash tunesfromdoolin, where you can sign up and choose a support level that you can sustain. It doesn't have to be much. Even a cup of coffee per month really goes a long way. The link is in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support. Our guest for this episode is Hugh Healy, concertina player from Corofin in County Clare, now living in Ennis. Hope you enjoyed the tunes and our chat with Hugh, and make sure to stick around till the end of the episode if you'd like to know more about Hugh and how to keep up with his music. Enjoy! Welcome, Hugh. Thanks for coming up to Doolin. Thanks very much, Charles, for inviting me. Uh, um, it's a pleasure to have you, and thanks for those great tunes to uh, start the episode. Uh, what were they? Um, well, the first one was The Moving Clouds, and the second one was Matt Peoples, and it certainly warmed me up anyway. <laughs> Lovely. And so, these are tunes from your album that just came out. That's right, yeah. It's a new album it's called Kyolra, and it's just been released, and... I just I've been I've been at it all over lockdown, so it was kind of a project to do. Yeah, brilliant. Um, just for people who might not know you, uh, you're a constant player from Corfin originally, but you're now in Ennis. That's right. Yeah, I moved I moved from Corfin to Ennis many years ago, and I I play music mainly in Ennis. I used to play a lot in Doolin, but uh, it's a bit of a trek when you have lots of music in Ennis. Well, we used to. Hopefully, hopefully it'll all be back soon. Yeah, we're fingers crossed. And um, 
you you were an All Ireland champion. Uh, I was looking up that's two thousand and two. Two thousand and two. Yeah, that's, that's ages ago. It was ages ago. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I've, I've I got a couple of them over the years, but. Yeah, that was the last one, and I said after that one, that was it. I'd cut cut the chain. You had enough. Yeah. Uh, the reason I mentioned that is I was listening to a few tracks I have of your playing, and I wanted to know how you feel your playing has changed over the years. Um, well, I suppose it's uh, the same as anyone's playing. Your your repertoire definitely changes. Like I, I've I've heard recordings myself of of me playing years ago, and I, I just don't play those tunes anymore. I don't know whether I've forgotten them or I don't like them anymore. It's, it's one of the two. And I'd say same as anything. When you're younger, you're, you play probably a bit faster. <laughs> yeah. So you, you feel you've slowed down. I think, well, I think yeah. I've yeah, just more control in it now, I'd say. More technique and more control. Um, probably quicker, quicker technique um, and less... I don't know, I'd say I'm playing the tunes slower but with more technique in there. Yeah, the, the tempo slowed down. That's it, yeah. yeah. Um, who was your first teacher? How did you learn the concertina? Well, it started in Ennis with the great John McMahon. I, I, you probably haven't met him, have you? He moved to Wexford. Uh, I have, yeah. That was the concertina player with Fisher Street. That's right, yeah. yeah he's yeah. absolutely brilliant. But um, I had him for the first, I think it was a year or, or maybe two years and then he moved uh, from Clare to Wexford. So then I went to the lovely Dimpna Sullivan. She was absolutely br- brilliant. Yeah, the late Dimpna Sullivan. That's she, right. She'd yeah. have been one of my favourite Goldstein players, oh, I have to say. Loved her playing, loved her playing. And then I would have moved, uh, I, I, I can't remember now the order, but I went to Breed Meany then as well. Breed Meany's absolutely brilliant concertina player, but you don't know her now. I don't know, a, no, I don't know her. Um, She moved to the UK. So, but she was absolutely brilliant. But um, she went to college. I think was the reason I I stopped going to her because she wasn't around. She was actually in secondary school when she taught me. And and so, what age were you when you started? Uh, nine. Okay. Nine, and then I went to Noel Hill then to finish me off. Yeah. And I was absolutely brilliant. Well, you didn't need anyone else after Noel Hill. Well, that's <laughs> definitely definitely not. He's he's amazing. Like to be honest. Um. Is he still one of the musicians you look up to? Oh, definitely, definitely. But like, I still would like, uh, like uh, even for my own music now. For instance, those two tunes I just played, even though Noel Hill, I I love him playing the Moving Clouds because he obviously masters it. But I learned both of those tunes um, off John McMahon. Mm-hmm. So like, I think from all my teachers, I've they've they've all given me something like, and definitely from tunes and style, you know. So yeah. Um like the moving cloud like you said I think there's a there's a video on YouTube of Noel Hill playing that uh, it's absolutely brilliant and well I, obviously I could hear a lot of what you you're doing with the tune and that before you came up I was trying to think of three words that I would use to describe how you play in my mind <laughs> and uh, you'll tell me what you think now it's uh, loud one of them is it? no power <laughs> power power yeah and then Creativity okay. and rhythm. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about those? Well, I suppose it is the Clare way, really. You know, it would be the Clare style because, like, you know yourself now from playing in Doolin, um, you know, a lot of times they'll want to dance or, you know, there there is there is a time and space for slower kind of listening music, whereas I think a, a lot of the other times it's it's kind of, it's set up for dancing. You have to give them what they want. Well, there's no, they're not going to dance to a slow hornpipe, you know. They'll want a bit of a fast reel, you know, or yeah. set of them. And how much of that is also influenced by who you're playing with? Oh, it would be, uh, yeah. And and what I've listened to, I'd say, most, most of the thing, like, obviously, I would have listened to an awful lot of music when I was younger. Um, uh, what you call the Kiffinor would have been, obviously, a huge influence, like, in all their music. Mm-hmm. And sure, then going up to Doolin and hearing um, the likes of Nola Donahue and Sean Vaughan, you know, of the years. And like Sean, the same as me now, we had actually would have played with the young Tulla Cayley bands mm-hmm. when we were, you know, um, young teenagers. Like, so we would have been ba- involved in Cayley bands. So we knew what it was like to play at speed. Yeah. And do you think that's definitely where the rhythm comes from? Like the... North Clare dancing slash Cayley band style. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because um, even though 
I don't know why, but they say that some Tulla or East Clare musicians play slower. I, I don't think so because I've I've heard I've heard what they play with the uh, with the Tulla. The Tulla CD is absolutely brilliant. I, I was mm-hmm. listening to one in Nola Donahue's mother's house uh, about a year ago, and it was like it it was it was very fast moving music as yeah. well. Like so, nothing wrong at all. No, no, definitely not nothing wrong with them. Um, you mentioned Julian and Nola Donahue and Sean Vahan. Uh, when I first came, that's in 2006, uh, I still remember those Sunday sessions, I think, like the Super Sundays, oh. as we used to call them, the, 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 the double gig, the back-to-back. double gigs, yeah. Um, how, where, what's the place of Julian in your musical journey? Um, that would have been my early, my, my late teens and early 20s. So um, that's 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 really where I learned how to play gigs, and you know the it's it's it would kind of you'd kind of set up cer- certain sets of tunes that you know the crowds would res- respond better to, and you know, certain se- sets of tunes you know you, you'd all have to gauge who was there what night, you know there were, there were midweek times we mm-hmm. played as well, and obviously it wouldn't be the same different vibe. Well, it would be yeah. So you'd have to you know you'd know yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, after playing a couple of sets of reels, <laughs> you you might want to slow things down a little bit. Well, yeah, and I think it's 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 it's, it's boring anyway for any audience if you're just playing um, all the one kind of music. You know, you have to change it up and give them a bit of variety. You know. Well, I suppose like typically in Dublin, where the audience most of the time would be um, people from abroad. Well, there's a mix, obviously, but a lot of people from abroad who mm. don't know much about Irish music, and there's always that impression of uh, sure it's all the same. That's it. Now, I c- I can see from them as well from well from what I thought was happening that uh, reels the temp tempo of reels confused them. Mm-hmm. I think it. I think it. It, it does because it, it is a very hard tempo to get your head around, even for us. Like there's too much happening within a bar, and they can't uh, follow. Yeah. Whereas with a jig or a waltz, you know, it's much easier to follow the the tempo. You know, it's 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 easier for them to listen to it, and that's what you were saying now as well. It all sounds the same, but like that's like in on the, on the new CD now. You, you you'll hear it if you listen to it that I I do change keys in sets. And um, but that is that is to give a bit of variety as well because yes. it, it doesn't all sound the same if if you change keys. Yeah, if you play like typically in Dublin, if you play three wheels in G one after the other, yeah, so most of them they'll, they'll be like, oh, they just played <laughs> the same the same eight bars. It was over a very very long tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we both know there's certain tunes that are played older sets of tunes and they're very very close. Like yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, getting confused between tunes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Um, you brought a track from your CD with you. Thank you so much. Yep, no problems at all. Um, I think we're going to play it now and... Lovely. We'll talk about your album then. Yeah, great. Great. Thanks you. Right.
those tunes you were brilliant thanks very much Charles it, t- it took me a while to get them together yeah, I, I know the first two uh, I call them McGivney's Fancy and The Birds I'm not sure about the last one The Mathematician and you have the same names for the first two I do I do yeah okay, good, good. Yeah, that's, we're, that's we're good, probably right then that's a good start so yeah uh, where did you get them um, well I'd, I would have heard the first tune from Paddy O'Brien um, and Dahi Sproul that would have been the first tune and then the second tune um, it was Marty Ryan and Siobhan Peoples I heard them playing it in Ennis and I was actually it was just it was such a nice key it really stood out to me like it's in the key of C so it's just and the way it starts on a high G or your yeah it's, it's just unusual for a hornpipe it is yeah so it just stood out it actually yeah because it kind of threw me for a while just how to get my head around it uh, go on sorry sorry um, I actually know that tune from Nolo Donahue he Recorded it for a video we did with the Spirit of Doolin project a I while know. back, and he said same thing. He learned it from sessions in Ennis. Yeah, for me, that's yeah. who he learned it off. In case he says any other thing, because I taught <laughs> him and Mickey Kearns's. <laughs> well, he loved it anyway. And <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody seemed to love it. Great, great tune. Yeah, and then the last one was I learned it from Sean Sean McGuire. Like, is absolutely brilliant, but it was it was a, a tricky tune uh, to learn. To be honest, I, I actually. There's notes in it that I'd never used before. Yeah, what's it called again? The the mathematician. Yeah, and that's uh, James Scott Skinner that's, tune, isn't that's it? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So what key is it in? Because uh, it changes. It's yeah. ish But see, it goes up. It goes up to high octaves. So the notes are that's as high as my well, concertina goes. Yeah, it's fairly obvious, you know, when you play it, but. Uh, Oh my God! All the all the triplets and all that. Like yeah, you, you do an amazing job uh, of the tune. Um, I'd love to know how you went about picking the tunes for the album. Yeah. Um. Well, it was it was actually it it was one of the harder things to do. Like because, um, after the years of playing music with so many different people, you know, I play with my brothers, obviously. Um, that column, yeah, yeah, and that column would have his own kind of set, you know, not not a small set, a huge set of tunes. And then Eric went to Tommy Peoples, so that'd be a different kind of a set of tunes. Um, like I went to all those different teachers, the Constantine mm. teachers. That's a different sets. And then, like I play with, you know, I used to play with um, Noel and and Sean Vaughan, and that would be different tunes again. And then I played with Andrew Mack. Andrew McNamara and that would be a different set of tunes you know so all different repertoires there's a lot of tunes there yeah. so to narrow it down and you know some tunes as well I'd find would suit concertina better than other tunes did you try to make a conscious choice of picking tunes from those different repertoires in order to represent because that's your first solo album you did two albums before that's right yeah uh you did one with your brother, yeah. Colm McCallum Ahoyga. Yeah, Colm plays the accordion. There's a few guests. That's wh- what that year was, was it? Two thousand and four. Two thousand and four. Yeah, it's going back. Yeah, that's a, that's, <laughs> a, that's, a long, that's a long time. Yeah, <laughs> and then you did the album with Blackie, which has the best album title. Oh, ever. I don't know. Some people. <laughs> we were drinking and kissing the ladies. Yeah, uh, but that's ages ago as well. That's a long time ago. Uh, Two thousand ten was it? Two thousand and ten. Yeah. Yeah. So, so first solo album, did you try to represent all those different influences? Yeah, I've, yeah I've, well, I suppose, that, yeah, when I, I left Blackie out, I would, have, I would have played music with Blackie for years as well, like, you know, and, that, and, that, and pipes are restricted to what they can play, key-wise as well, you know, so it's, it's it, it, yeah, there are a lot there. But the main part I was trying to pick out was to have a, um, a variety on the CD. Variety in terms of? Tunes, types of tunes. Okay, types yeah, of tunes. So you've reels, jigs, hornpipes. What else is there? Um, like I've a slow, I've a slow air. I've a song. Um, do you sing? No, oh no, no, I'm playing the song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, there's news, Bre- breaking news. No, no, no. Yeah, so I'd, I'd have, yeah, jigs. I've planks to Fitzgerald. Then is kind of a, it's a Michael Rooney track that's different again you know it's mm-hmm. kind of a waltz 
so there's a lot there's a there's a big range there you know so uh, that's great and how much like out of all the sets of the album i'm pretty sure there are tunes that you've been playing for years just like the moving cloud and mad peoples that you played earlier yeah uh, did you learn any tunes specifically for the album um uh, not really no well the the mathematician no i would have mm. i i did learn that one during lockdown but it wasn't for the the album but I, yeah I did well think, i did want to slot it in with the album then yeah you knew the tune before and you yeah. just had the time to go over it and practice well <laughs> a little bit of time all right yeah a little right. bit of time um not jumping topic but since we we're mentioning lockdown uh how have you been and what about music did you manage to motivate yourself playing at all or um not really no uh, like it's it's very it's very hard to play at home it's it's you know it's it's kind of when you're used to playing with other people like sitting in a, a kitchen or a sitting room on your own is 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 i don't know you, you you'll stick it for a short while but that's, that's it then it's no crack really it's, it's no crack yeah um something we didn't mention is that you're actually not a musician full-time all right yeah so uh you're a teacher i'm a teacher yeah um so i suppose you were still working for a good bit oh of the yeah lockdown. that's it yeah yeah kept you busy lucky you well that's it um but you did record the album during lockdown so how did you find the when did you decide first of all because i know you've been talking about it for a number of years anyway yeah so i decided i think it was l late july last year so late july 2020 mm -hmm. and then um it was about two weeks later um michael because everything was shut there was nothing on mm -hmm. so Michael McCaig was free he just happened to be free at the time and Parry O'Reilly so that was it literally I think it was two to three weeks later I was back in Milltown starting it it had started like in the studio so you went to uh, Martin O'Malley did you? oh yeah I did yeah it's yeah. great and so you mentioned Parry O'Reilly plays the piano Michael McCaig on guitar the guitar and uh, bazooki yeah and then john maloney on the baron lovely so that's the main crew the main crew any other guests yes so then the guests on it on there's one track where i've oh sorry and katie potter is, is a guest um on another track katie potter who plays harp harp that's right and then there's a big track i call it the kaylee band track and on that i have um on accordion column my brother column then on concertina caroline o'donoghue um then her uncle noel o'donoghue on the flute and then um who else there's there oh john kelly on the fiddle eric my brother eric healy on the fiddle johnny kelly on the fiddle um dervla walsh on the tin whistle any any snare drums no so no, you're not full, you're not full on Kaylee band then. <laughs> well, no, John Maloney's on the bar on it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, no, that's brilliant. Um, I hope I haven't left anyone out there. No, I think that's it. Yeah, that was it. Well, disclaimer: if, <laughs> if you forgot anyone, it wasn't on purpose. Um, so it's been eleven years since you last brought an album out. That's a long oh, that's, time without. That's a, an eye opener, isn't it? Yeah. Why? Why do you think you didn't do this sooner? Um, I don't know really I suppose there, there was no driving me there was no motivation to do it sooner I don't know why but it was it was kind of Caroline that Caroline O'Donoghue to give me the, the final push in, into doing it which was which was needed to be honest um, I suppose with anything it's, it's the long finger just the long finger pushing a project away mm -hmm. and um, I don't know you have to be very happy with uh, playing on your own as well It's it's a different thing that I'm used to like over the years and the other CDs, I'd have never sat down um, and played like that. You know, that wasn't my yeah. thing, you know. I would have now at, at competitions, flag competitions or the concertina recital in the, the, the Willie Clancy, Skullsauri, Willie Clancy um, recital. But um, I didn't really enjoy those parts. Okay, it's a, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it a bit later because I, I, I wrote down a couple of 
questions around recitals and record and solo playing in general because mm. it's a big step i mean oh it is putting yourself out there like that so yeah would you say that it was a not a fear but you were just not ready yeah just not ready i'd say and I, and like as as you know because you've done stuff yourself like you know it's it's an awful lot of of thinking like what what goes into a track what tunes do you know are, are they the tunes i want to go in do they go together the keys and like and then everything around the album between yeah. uh design sound the recording mixing mastering i think people often don't realize people who are not musicians don't realize the amount of work that's involved in bringing out an album yeah and like yeah, as I've, I've spoke to you before now um even the the cover like and what you put in the sleeve notes all that information it's it's like the internet is great but there's an awful lot of clutter in the internet so even even with all the information on the internet about a track or a tune it's very very hard to find actual concise your research clear information mm. and we all know tunes that have two or three names yes and on that's on different albums so well i'm delighted we got the same names for this set of hornpipes <laughs> at the start there anyway um i recorded the album with my friend jb there so that's a duet album and Lovely. we were fairly stressed thank you we were fairly stressed and we recorded it live because we didn't feel like going in separate uh Boots, boots, and yeah. all that. And we actually recorded that at the house because uh, Jack Tatty, who recorded the album, said you'll be more comfortable. Because we told him, like you know, we're we're stressed out. Yeah, like, we'll do yeah. It, we'll do it at your house. How was it for you? The previous albums, did you do live or do you separate boots? No, separate boots. It 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 all um, it always had to be separate boots for the other ones. Um, just I'd find with the concertina. Um, that it spills over into other mics yes and, and so with an accordion then i would have been spilling over into other mics and then um i would have found then wish um blackie you couldn't possibly record with him in the room same room as volume him. wise yeah because and, and like he that's on the pipes now so he can't play quieter mm-hmm. you know it's the one volume yeah, it's on or off on or off yeah so that you couldn't possibly be in the same room with that yeah um it would just spill over. Um, so you were used to the, the the recording in the booth on your own in a way. Yeah. Well, like now, in fairness to Martin O'Malley's setup, it's it's a brilliant setup. He ha- you're in a separate booth, but you've windows, so you can actually see each other, and you're mm-hmm. actually looking at each other. <laughs> so okay. So you were still recording live. Yeah. So to speak, like you, you were you playing the sets together at oh, the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Then you, this time around, you really had to just go there, <laughs> play by yourself. Uh, well, for some parts, yeah. It, it baffles me, to be honest, that somebody like you, who I really look up to, Jack, you, I think you're one of the most amazing concert players I know, and that you still feel that stress of playing on your own. Oh, yeah. Well, that that would be there. That I think that's there for most people. Yes. Like, it's butterflies, but and there's... I don't know. It's the it's the least least unex- unexpected time that you'd get nervous. You know, I I, I could go into a, a bigger crowd and not be nervous, and then maybe a smaller intimate crowd where you can actually see them. Mm-hmm. Now that might you'd never know. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, we'll talk more about that because I have a couple of specific questions about <laughs> the settings. Um, but will we? Would you like to play another tune for us? I could. Do you have anything in mind? Um. I could play Planksty Fitzgerald. It's a tune I got from uh, Michael Rooney. Yeah. So it's a lovely So that's another one from the album. It is. It is. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks, you. Thank you. 
that's really a lovely tune, Hugh. I, I don't think I've heard it much before. Thanks very much. Um, it's yeah, it's Michael Rooney um, wrote it. Um, he's from. Uh, oh, I'll say this right now. I think it's Bond. I I should know because I was in his house, but um, oh, I'll think of it again. But um, I it was a funny story with with the tune. Uh, Parker O'Reilly's wedding uh, was on good for years ago as well. And Parik had contacted me a few weeks before and asked me would I play while um, his wife walked up to um, the, the aisle. And I said I would, of course. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd say, grand, no problems. I'll, I'll play that. No problems at all. Um, and then he gave me the tune to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. But now, in fairness, um, it, it, I, lo- I love it as a tune. But it took, it, it's, it's, it's unusual. It's unusual, like... And while you were playing it, we come back to what I was saying before. The difference between playing solo, like recitals, concerts, um, recording, mm. and sessions, there's a different approach. But in your case, for me, there's almost like there are two different Hugh Healy's in oh. the way you're playing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I do, yeah, I do. Um, in your own words, why... Are you playing different or how? Yeah. Well, I suppose it's like um, you have to adjust to your setting, you know. And I suppose like if, if, if you're in a louder kind of setting with a group of musicians, you're go- you know, that's you're not going to. There wouldn't be a group of musicians now would sit down and play that tune, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wouldn't suit. Do you know, and there's there's certain tunes would suit and certain tunes wouldn't suit. Now that wouldn't suit. Um, also, as well, I find that you know if 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 it's a bigger session, um, I don't know. You've, I'm sure you've heard this as well. Sometimes a bigger session, and if you hear recording back of what you actually played, sometimes it can get it can get a little sloppy, to be honest. <laughs> and it's just because um, it's it's. So it's not that the music is so loud; it's because the crowd is so loud and everything gets louder, you know. And I, I don't think it's as as clean. But it's not even only about adjusting the volume, because I I really picture you flicking the switch of recital mode, and that's where I think all your well, no, you, in both settings you're a very very creative player. But in a different way, and I think when you play on your own, the technical brilliance comes through. Maybe, obviously, we can only listen to you. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that you just play different. Is it because you can hear yourself better? That's it, yeah. Like I was going to say now, now that's that being said, if you're just in a normal session, but a mic'd up session, which I've played a lot as well, that's that's a different... It's a different session as well because you can actually hear what you're playing, mm-hmm. you know, and, it is, and you have to be exact, which makes you focus, you know. But also with with, with those, and um, you have a monitor, yeah, you know, so you can actually hear back what you're putting out. So it's it's when someone records you in a session, you you don't hear it back until you you hear it back literally. Yeah. You know, and you never know how the sessions were recorded. Like, I mean, yeah, just the phone or, or back in the days, the mini disc recordings, and yeah, or, or like, uh, you know, is 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 the the recording device like is is it beside the concertina or is it beside a fiddle? You know, is it's is it actually hearing what's mm-hmm. what's actually being played? Yeah, do you have a preference though? Which one in terms of which setting to play in? Because I understand the stress from the recital recording solo environment <laughs> but <laughs> surely you get a kick out of it uh yeah you'd get you'd you'd get a kick after i'd say but you'd have to dry your hands a few times after yeah. that it's it yeah it can be very nerve-wracking but i i would prefer to play with more people like i i, I don't mind the stage part but um see i i i just would mi- i do mind playing on your own part on a stage because mm-hmm. it's very uh it's very unusual yeah it's it's very very funny to me because your playing is so confident you know in, yeah. in sessions all that like you never think that somebody who is so confident in their playing gets that but at the end of the day 
Oh, it's, 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 there think, are very few people who don't get it. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. There's. A, I think it's just it's it's, it's called stage fright for a reason, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it does happen. Even even to like even to speak over a microphone is is a different thing as well, you know. Well, you're doing well here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's fu- yeah, it's really funny because the you mentioned the recitals uh, during the. Will you can see summer school in Milltown? Yeah, and again, to me, I've seen a few. I heard some recordings. You always, you entertain the crowd, even when <laughs> you go on that stage. Yeah, well, I've I've heard the recordings. Well, they're nice, you know, they're nice. But I, uh, <laughs> it's nice after. I enjoy it after. <laughs> but I, do, I always thought. <laughs> I I think there is one that you you go on stage. I don't remember what year it was, but I was there and you go, I think there's a recording in the archives in Dublin, but you go on stage and you say, I'm going to play the trip to Birmingham and the second tune is going to be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you've that entertainer <laughs> thing and then you play the box of Orin Moore and that's a brilliant set. But yeah, were, yeah. You, the, were you sweating? Oh yeah, that, that like, uh, and uh, like on top of it, um, like th- those recitals are brilliant. And I, I'm sure it's amazing for the crowd, but like it's 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 always a full crowd. Especially I I haven't gone to many of the other ones. Well, the fiddle one I've gone to a couple of times, but like they're always full. Yeah. So they're very warm, and you've lights on you obviously, so they can see you. So, so they're warm, and uh, yeah, it's just it's nerve wracking. And the audience that's there, you know that all the other great concertina <laughs> players out there, they are literally listening to you. Yeah, literally looking at you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned like the concertina recital is always busy, and that kind of goes, uh, I suppose, with the fact that concertinas have become increasingly popular yeah. the last few years. Um, why do you think that's happening? And um, well, like I'd say, I I know there were a huge amount of older players that were absolutely brilliant. You know, of ones I know around, like John Kelly and uh, Paddy Murphy, and all all these older people, Jared Hawk. You know, there were so many, and lecture Miss Crotty and Kitty Hayes, and there's so many to draw from there. But I think Noel Hill really, well, he did start that part of it. I think he really did make it popular in a way as well you know for to bring it on to the next now he wasn't on his own but like he, he did a huge amount of work especially in the Willie Clancy with it mm-hmm. like it started off as one class I'd, I'd say there were up to 20 classes so, some years like uh, you know. I'd say it's definitely the second popular most popular instruments after the fiddles in terms of yeah number of classes yeah and you teach there as well I do yeah and like there's always you know there are always big classes you know because they're, they're great classes now in fairness but like um like there's huge numbers like i i, I always remember the, the monday mornings you know because they, they they all arrive in you know and you grade them quickly you know but they can switch after but like it's there's always a big crowd it's literally yeah yeah how do you mentioned earlier that you're not a full-time musician and you're a teacher but obviously you do teach concertina outside of the school where you teach yeah how much do you enjoy the teaching part oh the, yeah i don't I, I i i haven't i don't really teach much at all now to be honest um because you know between one thing and another i'd find my my evenings are very busy but um if it's if it's somebody i like or you know you'd, i'd have to have an interest in teaching the person but okay so it's definitely not the like the regular weekly you don't have your classes of concertina students I've, well i had i had actually won just there but that was patty murphy's great granddaughter yeah and that was the reason because yeah. he taught me a couple of lessons oh did he he did yeah so that oh. was the only reason um because I, I and she she is brilliant it's a great it's a great um connection there because i was going to ask you about how you connect with the older generations yeah like musicians that have gone before us and now you teach paddy murphy's granddaughter great granddaughter granddaughter. how um yeah how do you connect to the the whole tradition thing and well like it's 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 where we got our our music from you know it's a hundred percent it and like like I was very fortunate when I was younger that my my father and mother they, they used to bring us to sessions, so we would have been brought to Ina, and Paddy Murphy would have been play, playing there, you know. So we would have got 
immersed in it like and we would go into other things like my parents had the tapes there was no cds back then though sadly mm-hmm. they had the tapes bought and like we did listen to them yeah know? great and do you con are you very conscious of the fact that you are carrying on that tradition especially of constantina playing onto the next generation even though you don't teach music full-time but yeah. just through Ah, uh, yeah, but like it's yeah. You would hope that it would it would it would be passed down. Like you know, I would I'd, I'd I, fi- I find with a lot of and it's not a a, um, a cutting comment or anything. I'd find though with a lot of younger musicians, um, that they don't really listen to music. Mm-hmm. I I don't I find well I'd say it, it's it's kind of a catch twenty. Like you know where like even new, newer cars now don't have a CD player, mm-hmm. and they definitely don't have a tape deck. I think a lot of it might be to do with the fact that the parents don't play, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I, I'm i saying this because uh, my eldest daughter, she's 10, Lily, she's learning the concertina, and I'm constantly making her <laughs> listening to stuff. That's it, and yeah. She, but not, not like, it's not like, you know, yeah. sit down now for half an hour and listen to That's this. That's it, yeah. Just like, oh, there's something coming up on the radio or in the car or at home, and oh Lily come here two minutes just yeah. listen to this what do you think whatever yeah but you feel a lot there's not as much listening well like yeah it's like when anytime anytime when I w- was teaching classes I taught at other festivals you know I'd ask them what, what, what do you listen to or, or I'd tell them this is a tune from a CD you know I'd be able to tell them maybe Mihal or Ali or whatever CD I, I would have gotten that, that tune off and they, you know, some of them wouldn't. They, just they wouldn't. might not know Hill like. No. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'd, it's not. I'd say, have you have you ever listened to the CDs or anything? And like most of them would say, no, just mm. no. They'd never never heard anything. That's. Um, it's like uh, a s- step back, steps forward, but step back. And I, I could see why. Do you know the actual physical thing of getting a CD in your hand, absolutely. and actually putting the CD on? Like no, no matter who you are, I think you'll, there, there will be tracks that you will not like, but there will be tracks you like. And like, I think you just have to listen. Do you know? Mm. Listen to something. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And um, that's interesting. I didn't expect the conversation to go here, but loads more young concertina players. But in a way, you've that feeling that they might be a bit disconnected yeah. from the tradition and they're just, yeah, they're learning the instrument like they're just playing football. Or yeah, that's it. Like they're and going and to it's not wrong as such. I'm uh, not trying to discourage no, 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 young no. people from playing. Yeah. But would it be up to the teacher? So you, were, you grew up in a house where your parents... Where we were, were brought, really we were brought to, you know, things and friends yeah, so they were and everything. Encouraging you to yeah. do this stuff. Uh, so maybe it's a message to the parents, but they might not be into thread. But then, does it become the responsibility of the teacher? Um, well, like, in fairness, like the, the standards of children and, and their music is huge now Amazing. at the moment. But, but the only fault I would have with it is you'd find a lot of the times that you know they would have that tune learnt in the week and they'd have it lovely and everything but like have they played the other tunes they learnt the other weeks mm-hmm. are, are they actually building up yeah do you know a set of tunes that's maybe something that comes later maybe in teenagers yeah. if you keep going you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a hard one to call really yeah um, but it's very interesting nonetheless mm. I mean and since we're talking about listening to music how much listening do you still do these days i do i do a good bit i yeah. do actually a good bit yeah i was listening to noel hill actually this week just just which album chance. um he's canuck negras isn't it or what's it called? oh with tony mcmahon yeah yeah i, oh. love it. I absolutely love it yeah. at the start of that album even this yeah set dancing you know yeah. the background is no, that's class so do you find yourself like drawn to older classic recordings i would yeah i would i would and um like you you mentioned patrick street there earlier i listened to that now during lockdown that's a beautiful album yeah you know and um oh, i don't know just there's so many good albums body bands all these i don't know there's just so much to listen to well uh i'm pretty sure your album is going to add to the list of great albums to listen oh, to hopefully hopefully um well i think it's a good way to end the episode um, 
Thanks, I'm Charles. going to give all the information uh, right after about how people can find your CD. Lovely. But um, thank you so much for coming, Hugh. Thanks, Will and Charles, for having me. And hopefully we'll see you in Doolin for more tunes That's and a bit of crack uh, once <laughs> everything is back to normal. We <laughs> um, play a tune before you go. Yeah, lovely. Great stuff. Yep. Great stuff. Thanks, you. Thanks again so much to you, Healy, for taking the time to come on the show today. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to keep up with you and his music and order his brand new album, make sure to visit his Bandcamp page and you can also find his album at Costi's Music Shop in Ennis. All the links are in the description. Thank you again so much for listening to the Tunes from Dublin podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. It would be very helpful if you could tell your friends about the show too, share it on social media and feel free to visit the Patreon page if you'd like to support. If you'd like to know more about the Tunes from Dublin project, you can check out the website and YouTube channel. You can also email me at tunesfromdoolin at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again and see you at the next episode.